We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Sean Cunningham from Fox 40. Sean, how are you? James, Brendan, folks, I'm good. Uh, I actually really enjoy these uh, late night sessions, and oh. uh, it's a little bit different. I kind of feel a bit more in my in my uh, wheelhouse. I I will. <laughs> I am. I am not going to bring in alcohol as much as I'm tempted to. I'm going to keep with water. We're using the uh, King's Kool Aid. We're using the bottles from the game, as it says to do. This bottle's made from always re- reuse and recycle. So. Yeah, Whatever maybe, the man. Kings tell Sean to do, he does. I don't. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes they get very, very mad at me. That's <laughs> right. Uh, and also, Mr. Brendan Nunez from the Kings Pulse podcast and the Kings Herald. Brendan, what's going on? Not much, guys. Uh, I'm doing good. Exciting day with the Sacramento Kings, that's for sure. And it's clearly it's past Brendan's bedtime. So. Yeah, I'm not of drinking age, so I kind of stay out of that <laughs> conversation, too. <laughs> awesome. All right, so this thing is live. Uh, one of you guys ha- has your mic. Uh, like, I can hear you a little bit on the feedback. Um, I don't know if you don't have earbuds in, uh, but we'll get through it. This is going to be a-, a fun evening of chatting Kings basketball because... Portland Trailblazers. Wow, that means Sacramento has moved up to the top four. <laughs> Pick number six goes to... That damn sexy guy delivered the pick. Kings are the number four pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Brendan, let's start there. Just your initial thoughts. Uh, When it it gets to eight and it's not the Kings, it gets to seven and it's like, oh, it's not the Kings. What do you got? I was fully prepared to be disappointed. Um, Every other pick beforehand was as expected and – I mean, was pretty excited, you know. My initial next thought is please be top three because it is a three-person draft, but 
it's hard to complain at uh, with the Kings landing at fourth there. So hard to not be excited about it, right? Yeah, I think so. Sean, where are you at? I, I'm trying to think about this because I'm not super in love with this year's draft. Um, so, of course, they'd move up, right? Like, it's exciting for the organization and the fan base. I think they needed a little bit of a win. Um, I think it makes things a little bit more interesting for sure. That being said, like, I think I was telling everybody, including you guys, like, man, if I'm the Kings and I'm at seven, eight, wherever they end up, I'm probably looking to trade. I don't know that I've come off that too much. Maybe I just need a little bit more time to think about it, but I thought about it today and it's like, if they're instantly a little bit more relevant and things look a little bit more um, interesting. That being said, like, I I think there's one person that I really love in the draft and everybody else I just kind of like. Um, and it's probably not ones that people would think that I would love. I think they, I think automatically me being a Duke fan, they're going to think that I love Paulo Bancaro and I don't. Um, that said, if he's at four, you're thinking about it, right? But I think the, the guy that jumps off the page for me initially is Jabari. And I don't know that he'll be there. So, um, but yeah, Kings fans should feel pretty good, especially after the way the the day started and seeing my mentions, I think it didn't, uh, I think a lot of them wanted to find a cliff to jump off of. Oh, Sean, we're going to get to that later. That that <laughs> clearly is Tuesday overreactions. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's perfect. It is perfect for Tuesday overreactions. Sean's favorite segment of the show. Um, all right. So, hey, look, we don't usually go live, uh, but tonight we're doing it. Uh, Sean had to work, uh, and so we waited until Sean got off. It's I always also, my fault. It's always me. It's okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I also think like when when you um, when you have an event like this, something like this happens. I think sometimes it is better to give it like five or six hours to sort of you know saturate and, and let it like sink in and kind of figure out some things and process a little bit of it, uh, as opposed to like the instant knee jerk reaction. Which, to be honest with you, half of it was like really stupid. Like a lot of the comments I I saw was just like holy cow. Like, really? That's where we're going right now? Um, so for me, like, I, I think it's good that we're doing this a little bit later. Sorry uh, if you guys have to stay up late. Um, the podcast will be in its regular form after the show. We'll, we'll upload it to YouTube or it'll be uploaded already. Uh, on top of that, we'll do the regular everyday um, audio file. Uh, it'll go out in the newsletter and everything else. But that brings us sort of to the business side. Since we are doing this live, do us a favor. Uh, number one, subscribe to uh, the King's Beat YouTube channel. It's right down below if you're watching on YouTube. Also, give us a thumbs up. That helps us. Uh, and the comment section is going absolutely nuts. So um, 200 people plus in the feed already, 220-something. That's tremendous. Um, it's better than some radio shows that I see in the afternoon, uh, maybe like 300 times better. Uh, so so I actually, I think we're doing okay right now. Um, and, and I definitely appreciate all of you guys staying up late and hitting, uh, hitting us up and, and chilling with us. So uh, we got a jam-packed show. Uh, it is a ton of fun when you're watching a draft. And I don't know, uh, and Sean, you've been doing this forever. I've been doing this forever. I still, as soon as the draft starts and that music starts, I still get, like, nervous, like, butterflies in my stomach. Because Why? 
I, I don't know because the draft does mean so much and you're just sitting there like, Ooh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And every time that, you know, somehow the Kings move up, it's like this major moment. And then for me, like my 19 year old comes sprinting downstairs as <laughs> soon as, as a, like they're not the number seven and it like it goes to commercial he comes running down like oh no like and i think that's how everybody out there feels like a lot of people here uh you know they're they're like sitting here enjoying uh the fact that the kings moved up and sean do you do you have any sort of reaction or are you just like eh whatever no, no, I mean, I don't. I mean, the draft is always fun. I enjoy the NBA draft more than any other draft in sports. But I also realize, you know, being a lifelong Sacramentan and, you know, growing up in this town, uh, the draft is kind of like Kings fan Super Bowl in a way. This is, you know, the dra- even the lottery is kind of something to rally around. And, and Sick historically, burn, I, Sick yeah, burn. I don't mean it to. <laughs> I don't mean it to sound that way, but it, it's it's kind of true. Like, I mean, you don't have playoffs. This is kind of where you hope your franchise can instantly change, and uh, it hasn't that name hasn't gone well. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think I think uh, number four. It hasn't happened that often. Tyreek, right? The last one, rookie of the year, his didn't pan out huge, but he had a great first year. I think he's the only time they've ever been at number four outside of that. I think Billy Owens was number three. Of course, Nervous Purvis was number one. Um, They've drafted number seven like a bunch of times. Uh, Fox was five. But outside of that, you had the Bagley pick at two. Um, I don't think they've been at four. And uh, uh, Cousins was five. And um, Thomas Robinson was five. But four is – I think it's only Tyreek that I can remember. Uh, Brendan, uh, what was your first thoughts? Were you like freaking out? Yeah, I'm a little closer to your 19 year old's reaction than Sean's probably. Um, I was pretty excited. Yeah. I I mean, I definitely, you know, just making it past the commercial is an accomplishment. (laughs) Like there's a tenseness that you just get a ride through that commercial and a sense of excitement that you don't know if. Because to me, there's two guys that I think fit perfectly. So I was really excited about the idea of Jabari Smith Jr. and Chad Holmgren, one or the other. And um, that slowed down a little bit, but I still was really excited when they moved up to four. And I think it's a certainly better position than they were in at the beginning of the day. So I think that's what we always have to hope for, right? That at the end of the day, you're in a better position. That somehow you find a way to move up at least something. Uh, you got to move up at least somewhere and and like build some excitement. I I think it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch this thing unfold. And I mean, it's happened a couple of times in the last few years, you know, again, the, uh, the Marvin, I mean, the De'Aaron Fox draft, uh, I think they went from eight to three and then the pick swap put them back at five. Um, and then of course, Marvin, I think they were, again, they were eight and then jumped to two. Um, and outside of that, like most of the years they fell. Like the DeMarcus Cousins year, they fell. The Tyreek Evans year, they were the worst team in the NBA. Blake Griffin was supposed to be the number one pick and was the number one pick. And they ended up having three teams jump over them to go one, two, three. And as a worst record at that point, um, they only had three teams go in the lottery and you ended up number four. Uh, I think it was the same, they, second worst record the year that they got uh, Cousins at number five. They fell three spots again. More often than not, the Kings fall in the draft. They always win the coin flip. But typically, they fall in the draft, and it's just been the last couple of years. Um, I, you know, we'll start with Brendan. Brendan, 
does this change your your uh, keep it trade it uh, a little bit? Does I mean when you're looking at this, did was your instant reaction is like, oh, I see dollar signs as opposed to oh, I see a player that I love right there. Yeah, I think again it's all really circumstantial based on what's available, obviously, but I'm gonna have to see how I feel about uh, Jaden Ivey a little bit more first, to be honest. Like, I think there's a chance that that's a good enough talent that maybe the Kings don't want to pass on it. I think that there is avenue to where that fits offensively. Uh, defensively probably isn't amazing, but sometimes if you just have that level of talent available to you, that's what you need to go ahead with. Um, I'm probably leaning more towards traded, though. It obviously depends on what's available, but I, I was of the opinion it's kind of a three-person draft, and then it falls off after that. So assuming that the three is Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and then um, Paulo Bancaro going as well, then I'm probably trade four. Sean, what do you got? Oh, my air conditioner just struck up, so it might be a little loud. I'm going to go turn that off here in a second. But, uh, yeah, you know, I I agree with Brendan. I think those three will be off the board, and uh, there's certainly some other guys that I, I like I'd be okay with. But I just feel like overall, and I kind of, you know, I sound a little bit like a broken record at this point. I just feel like you're positioned in a way that if you can move this pick and it can turn into something really substantial, you do it. You know, um, I think you have to be a little bit responsible for sure, but uh, you're, you're, I don't know. It, it is, and you get into a kind of a weird dynamic here too, because it all kind of goes back to the front office. You have Monty McNair, who is going to be coming into a year where there's a little bit of doubt. I mean, I guess we won't find out until later this summer, likely probably late August around September, whether or not, you know, they're going to extend him if they're if maybe he comes in as a lame duck into the front office and uh, maybe he won't have the total freedom to be able to shop that pick and, and turn it into something uh, maybe shop that pick and compare it and combine it with another future first and and see you know really swing for the fences as uh, to try and put something with De'Aaron and Sabonis or even moving De'Aaron with a pick possibly or I mean all the possibilities that are out there I think they're going to be really aggressive and I think they're going to look at it um, but I think that's where it gets into this really weird discussion about will they allow him to do something like that considering the fact he doesn't really have the benefit or the luxury of security on his side with years guaranteed to be able to do the job so uh, we're in, we're going to kind of dip our toe in some uncharted waters here yeah that's uh it's the big dark cloud hanging over the kings at this point um it's something that we've talked about on this show a couple of times um that uh that there's a huge issue that monty mcnair's contract is up at the end of this year there's always been a little bit of uh like gray area where we weren't sure if there was a team option or not um and and i've been very clear i've gone on record multiple times that I believe that when you make you allow somebody to make the type of trade that Monty McNair did, that he should be allowed to hire his own coach. And when you let a general manager hire his own coach, you need to actually match up contracts at least somewhat close uh, so we could actually see something. I would be shocked if we don't see McNair at some point this summer get, you know, even if it's a two-year extension. I, I would hope that it would be a little bit longer than that, but like you got to give this guy an opportunity to f- to see it through and and take away this question that Sean just had which is it it's very clear like the question is do you let Monty 
make the final decision on this pick? Do you let him trade this pick? Like, how do you handle this uh, when, you know, he's not under contract going forward? And and I think it's a huge issue. Um, Sam, our our good friend Sam Amick, once again, like put it out there on Monday uh, that uh, we're, you know, we're entering this weird situation. And it was even a topic of discussion with some of the coaches that were being brought in. And the Kings decided not to clear it up before they hired a coach. And so at some point, you're going to have to, like, if I'm Monty McNair, I, like, I want an answer. Like, I don't, like, stop messing around. Stop leaving me hanging out uh, in the wind. You know, I, I got to know if uh, you're going you're gonna to let me build this thing or if you're just going to, like, have me make a bunch of, like, huge moves for the franchise and then leave me hanging. And I, I think it's it's awkward and... Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's also another dynamic to to it that just bears putting out there that, <clears throat> I, and I, I look speculation on my part. I'm not saying I know this, but I don't think it would shock anybody that let's say they move. I think I mentioned this uh, in last week's podcast that there's another scenario on the table that could happen where maybe you don't go forward with Monty, uh, and and you know you let him go into the season. You don't give him the extension. You go into the season. You figure out what happens. Maybe you part amicably and he goes away. But maybe Wes Wilcox doesn't. And maybe you elevate him in another way. And then you're hiring somebody that joins Wes Wilcox. Again, there's so many options that could be at play in scenarios that that's just one that comes in in mind to me. Because obviously Wes Wilcox does have that front office um, uh, experience, if you will. And he's he's worked in every facet of the front office. He's a, Having them both is a nice luxury. But if, let's say, you move on from Monty McNair and you keep the continuity of Wes Wilcox to bring in somebody else, that way you don't have the, we have a coach that this GM didn't hire, maybe you just elevate Wes Wilcox and the person he hires is now in the front office in the in basketball operations with him. So I do feel like there's so many different little options at play. Um, and I'm very, very, very curious as to see, here we are coming into this draft process, You know what kind of power these guys will have. Um, you know, certainly, obviously, ownership is going to have ultimate authority. However, it's up to the front office to go out and find these deals. So they still have a job to do, but will they be able to do it? And again, going back to that whole thing, I think that makes it a very, very curious uh, month or so before we get this thing going. Yeah, I Brent. think either either one of them or both ideally staying uh, would be ideal just to line up with Mike Brown. And when you're allowed to make a decision, the magnitude of like James pointing out the Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Sabonis swap. I, I agree with like being able to see that through. And I think to tie it back to the draft, like you don't want them being forced or feeling like they have to make short-sighted moves because if something doesn't turn around right now, then my job is not probably not going to be there the next season. And for example, like if they thought Shady and Sharp was that guy and going to be one of the next stars in the league, but he was going to take two years, like, oh, well, I can't really do that because if these next two years don't go well and they don't see that same vision, then I can't do that. So I'm going to go with Keegan Murray, who may not have the same upside. Like, that's what scares me. And part of why, like, the I think the draft is a good way to see the flexibility that some front offices are allowed. Yeah, I'll be honest, when you move up to number four, and we can call this a three-man draft, but I think we all know that, like, what it is today and what it will be a month from now is probably going to be totally different. Like, there are going to be climbers in this draft. Shaden Sharp is one guy. 
uh, you know, again, Jaden Ivey's another that could somehow start moving up and push uh, Paolo Bancaro down or like, who knows? Maybe they push a Chet Holmgren down. Maybe there's a bunch of scouts who look at him and go, okay, now that we have our hands on him, we, we can't really go this way at this high at the, in the draft. Um, I, I think the number four pick is actually so valuable specifically in this draft because there are going to be teams that fall in love with Jaden Ivey, and there are going to be teams that fall in love with Shaden Sharp. We're already seeing a lot of the Shaden Sh- Sharp talk. He, you know, he's got a monstrous wingspan. I think he's, what is he, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, with a 7-foot wingspan. He's um, a phenomenal against zero defenders. He is so, he's so phenomenal against no defenders, <laughs> except for he moves like Andre Miller. Like, I'm just waiting for him to show me game speed. Like, man, you can't just keep making videos that I got to put it on two times speed just to see if you can actually run and, and jump uh, fast, you know? Like, everything looks so slow. Um, but still, like, the fact is that someone is going to is gonna be really interested in him and buy into him, and that's why having a top four pick is so valuable. I think the Kings are at... They're not in the best position because the best position clearly would be number one. But I could even make the argument that in this year's draft the chance of you getting the wrong pick at number one is like 60 plus percent. You know, you could take Chet Holmgren and think that he's going to be great. And next thing you know, you got another, I don't think you'll have another Lucas situation, but you could have another situation where Paolo Bancaro is a 25 and 12 and you're like, holy cow, that guy's incredible and we missed on him. So I think the Kings are in a situation where they very well could uh, be in a better position at number four. It's got tremendous trade value. They they jumped up and basically went from like a really good rotational player uh, with the, the number eight overall pick or the number seven overall pick to potentially an all-star player in trade return. And I think that's huge. And so I think they're going to have options, but the options are are really cool because what they can do, they can wait and see if one of the big guys fall to them at number four. They can wait and have teams try to jump ahead and really focus on, you know, trying to get one of the, the Shaden Sharps of the world or, or, or Ivy. Or they can just, like, deal it quick and go get the big player that they want if the right deal comes in. So I really think that, you know, they can move back. They could stay where they're at. I don't think you, you jump up. I don't think the Kings have the ammunition to jump up. And I also don't think that any of these players are a sure thing to there that they're such a sure thing that you have to go up and get a number one or a number two pick in this draft and spend like another future first round pick to do it uh that to me would be would be dangerous ground and the feedback to me that that, that i remember even a month ago going into the off season, so much conversation kings fans would talk about keegan murray and it would seem like that would dominate and i think they're looking at team need and certainly that'll kind of stick out a little bit like a sore thumb. But I wonder by getting the fourth pick, if that changes their calculus, you know, because he's like the darling on social media, at least from what I've seen. I, I, you know, I think you guys have seen a a lot of that. I don't know if it's shifted lately, but even today it seemed like I'm still seeing a lot of number four, Keegan Bradley and, and, and Keegan Murray, excuse me, Keegan Murray, Keegan Bradley's the golfer. Sorry. Uh, Keegan Murray. Yeah. And it's just, you would, I'm wondering how much it's changed or if now they're setting their sights on something different or even higher potentially. I think it's Jaden Ivey right now. I think it's the fit versus best player available conversation. And everyone is saying that uh, 
Jaden Ivey or some people shady and sharp, like very much preaching fit are our best player available over fit for the most part from what I've seen. Yeah. Number four, you have to, you have to, you have to go best player available. There, there's no other conversation. And I mean, again, we could talk about whether, you know, some of these guys will fit. Will, will Ivy fit in a backcourt with De'Aaron Fox? I mean, it's going to be a little rough. I mean, especially on the defensive end, but man, it would be fun. Like I, I, I've said this before, but like whoever is, uh, whoever is Ivy's like, like his publicist, it's like, hey, you kind of look like John Morant. Let let's go full John Morant and make everyone look at you and think, oh man, he looks just like John Morant. And then you watch him jump out of the gym. He does all these things, but he's just not Jaw. He does he doesn't have the same skill set. But you're still like you're watching him trying to do player comps, and the only player comp that comes up ever. You know, oh, that that he looks just like John. he's got the jump, he's got the speed, the quickness, a change of direction. He's just not there. He's just not the same player. I wonder if that's an analytic, by the way, like on the whiteboard, if they just go most fun. Because honestly, and this is entertainment, guys. It's like, it's yeah. fun. It's supposed to be you, Bull Durham, my favorite sports movie ever. Bull Durham, by the way, Brendan, is a baseball movie with Kevin Costner from the 80s. And it's required <laughs> viewing. And you can put that on your uh, homework assignment. <laughs> on your homework assignment list. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but when he goes out there to the mound visit, Crash Davis, played by Kevin Costner, and he goes, it's fun, goddammit. Like, you're, having, you're supposed to be having fun. It's baseball. And this is basketball, obviously, I get it, but it's like that seemed to be missing at times until they got Demonis Sabonis. All of a sudden, you went from the the team that Dave Yeager had and trying to turn it into a fun team, and he's using smoke and mirrors. We get it, but at least they were fun, right? And then you get the Luke Walton stuff, and it's clunky. They're trying to do different things, and it's just clunky. And then finally, by the time you get Demonis, the ball's moving again. The ball's just zipping across, and you have playmaking, and albeit a small sample size, it was fun again. There was a, there was a fun to it, and I think people really took interest. So if you can't be good, be fun, but hopefully you can be both. <laughs> yeah. I, I, go ahead, Brendan. Yeah, I think Ivy definitely fits into that. It's almost like you're getting another De'Aaron Fox, interestingly enough. And I think that there's ways that two De'Aaron Foxes don't complement each other, but I can tell you they'd be very fun, like Sean's talking about. In the open court, DeMontis Bonus gets a rebound and – has two outlet options. There's De'Aaron Fox one and De'Aaron Fox two. Like, I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I really do think that the the potential is there. I mean, the potential for like that to be a really really good pairing or at least a really exciting pairing. I think you're gonna have a difficult time winning games, and, and especially year one and year two. Ivy is gonna take a couple of years to fully develop, and when he does. He could be one of those players that everyone in the league is like, man, I can't believe it. Like, he could be the best player in this draft. And I, and I think, again, Shaden Sharp, the fact that he hasn't played, he was a number one high school player. And then what did he, he went in and, uh, like, changed his, his year for, for going to uh, the NBA. Um, he skipped his, his senior year in high school and bumped up. That was um, was that COVID because of COVID or something? What, what I forget the circumstances. No, he went to summer school and he had to graduate before the twenty twenty. Let's see, twenty twenty one NBA draft. Uh, no, before the first game of the twenty twenty one season, and uh, there was some question as to whether he has uh, actually graduated high school in time to be eligible. But I think that's being figured, or it was getting figured out, and it he's has athletic enough that he has. Yeah, he's athletic enough that he just skipped over. He that's yeah, how, that how, he definitely how athletic made the deadline. he is. Yeah, I mean, he was so athletic and so long, he was able to reach past his senior year in high school with no problems. So 
I mean, look, I think he's a really exciting player, and he could be the best player out of this draft. And I think that that's the cool thing that the Kings are where they're sitting. It's in a good position. And then, so if we go through the top five of the draft, right, we've got the Magic uh, at number one. Uh, we've got OKC at number two. Um, we've got the Rockets at number three. Kings at four. Pistons at five. Um, I, like, just intriguing-wise, how intriguing is it that the the Kings are one pick ahead of the Pistons because that's a team that we keep talking about. Well, could the Kings and Pistons come to some sort of agreement on, on a trade, but now you're looking at like, what if the Pistons fall in love with somebody? What if again, Paolo Bancaro falls to number four and the Pistons call up and say, Hey, how about we go from four to five and we'll give you Sadiq Bay. Like I, the, that's why I like when I look at the draft order or what if we work out some deal with Jeremy Grant now that the fact that the the Kings somehow jumped ahead of the Pistons, it adds another layer of intrigue to this draft. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can trade with six and try to get buddy healed or Tyrese Halliburton. I, there's a, there's a uh, lot oh, of different possibilities he here. Look what he um, did. <laughs> I think five with Detroit is interesting. They've traded with the team twice, once in each of the last two seasons. Um, I don't know that moving up one pick is something that's going to be all too much value in this draft. Like, it would really take Detroit falling in love with somebody that's there at four, right? And Sacramento having the intel and kind of willingness to say, we're not going to take him ourselves. Um yeah, it could be interesting. It, um, James, are you kind of with what sounded like Sean and I of Jabari, Chet, and Paulo being the likely top three, though? It's a likely top three, but that doesn't mean, I mean, we saw it last year where Scotty Barnes jumped to number four. That was just stunning. He was, he was my top five. He was well worth it. Well, he was top yeah. five, but I don't think any, like, I don't know that any expert had him above Suggs. Was it the right pick? Oh, heck yeah, it was the right pick. I loved him. I thought he was incredible, but I still looked at the draft the way that it was going to lay out and thought he would go five or six. Um, I even thought he might fall a little bit, a little bit lower than that. So yeah, I, I am pretty, I, I'm pretty sold that it's a three-man draft. And, and like, again, I've had conversations with people within the walls and they thought that it's a three-man draft. Um, I don't think they're as high on Keegan Murray as people on the outside are. Um, and, and I certainly don't think, again, like Keegan Murray at number five is, I mean, number four, that's that's not happening. Like, I don't think there's any way. Uh, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think there's any way. The, just the upside of the other players is too high. Yeah. Yeah, and and this thing's just going to continue to evolve, but I think, as as Brendan says, I think even for the last month for me in a, in a draft that there's a lot of question marks in, and my, I don't think it's the... I don't think it's a very deep draft at all. I think we kind of know that. Uh, I, like, I'm not overly blown away by the talent in this draft. But I will say that one through three, I just don't see that changing between now and, and draft day. So um, I do think four is where it gets interesting. And wouldn't you know it, here the Kings are. And by the way, can I just mention this? I know this is our first time doing a live show. Um, I've been really kind of... I mentioned my mentions earlier today and you know you see a different side of 
people on social media, but I actually really, really enjoy these YouTube comments pouring in uh, at this late hour because there's some good ones, man. There's a lot of like really interesting ideas and people who are just really excited about the draft. And um, <laughs> I'm hoping it keeps that same momentum as the conversation evolves. <laughs> Sean, can you hover <laughs> and hit the show button? So if, if there's one that you like, if you go over to that, you should be able to click show and pop it right up. Oh, okay. So, um, so if there is something, just just you can you can pull up something. So if there oh, is something, oh, I you that know you what? Like, I'm sorry. I was looking at the ones on YouTube. I didn't even know about these comments on the stream yard. Well, this is a YouTube comment. Oh, these are the same ones. Yeah, okay. it feeds directly in. It feeds directly into our back uh, the back end of of Streamyard. I so, missed yeah, the production meeting. If you hover, <laughs> yeah, if you hover over them, you can actually pull them up at like you know again. We might not be able to. Uh, Chad on has the biggest upside of anyone, and it just covers Brendan. So this is the best way of perfect. If you, if you want to cover Brendan <laughs> and have him be off of the show, then just write a really good question that's long. <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah, but Sean, if, or or Brendan, if, if something pops out to you guys that you you really like, uh, pull it out, and throw it up there. Gotcha. I'll have to go back to some of the good ones I saw. But yeah, there's just so many people. I mean, Keegan, Paolo. I mean, you got so many different people who are throwing their, their their two cents in and we're still we're still a month away from the draft so this is gonna certainly elevate and just the conversation always gets crazy around this time so again i think becoming more relevant with the fourth pick certainly adds more options and it's good to see this uh this type of response for sure i have a question for you james Uh-oh. if any of jabari chet or paulo are there at four are you just taking them simple as that absolutely any of the three yeah, actually, I, I probably uh, – that's why if I'm the Kings, you're not trading the pick until the the, the three picks before you go. Like, Sean doesn't uh, look as certain. Well, I, I mean, look, if there's a deal out there that's incredible, then sure. Um, you know, that, of course, if there's a deal out there that you're looking at and you're like, okay, I, like, if you can get John Collins and not have to give up a whole bunch of stuff outside of the number four pick, which I don't even know if they'll do that. But, uh, you know, again, I think the move from seven to four, it cuts your, what your cost in half. Like, I I think that you can go out and get a player with a first round pick with, uh, you know, other matching salary stuff and not have to give up a second pick or not have to give up a bunch of second rounds as well. Um, so you, you got what I'm saying? Like, I think the, the move, that's where the value is that you really did increase what you can get. But still, if there is a player you think that can really help you that's 19 or 20 years old, and it may take a year or two, but the ceiling is outlandish, man, I, I would really have a tough time, you know, but that, again, that's why I think like the best, this might be the best of all possible worlds being at number four. Because there is a really good possibility that someone will jump ahead of one of these big guys. There there always is. There's always that possibility. And if that happens, you know, you're in prime time real estate. Not only can you keep the pick and get one of the players that you want, you can trade the pick for even more because now one of those top three have moved down. Like I think they're all con- what if you fall in love with like a guy like Shaden Sharp and Ivy moves up and Bancaro moves down and then you're able to swap five, a four for five, not only pick up, you know, a Sadiq Bay type player, but also get the player that you want at number five. 
Like there are all kinds of ways that this thing could end up being where you, you don't just get one really good young player, but you get one really good young player and a really good secondary player, rotational players that can help you. So did I answer your question, Brennan? You did, but I'm curious now who Sean wouldn't take out of that top three. Well, I, I look at it again uh, at the top three, and like I said, Brennan, I think I agree with you in how that three will go. But if it doesn't, I'm looking to trade right away. Right away. If it's not Jabari, if it's not Jabari Smith, and it's, you know, Chet Holmgren or uh, Paolo Bancaro, I'm probably looking to trade that immediately. Because now Ooh. I think things, I think now things have gotten even more interesting. And, uh, Again, Remember I do think fighting it's... words, Brendan. Yeah, he, he said he trade. I know. Chet. Chet. He said he would trade yeah. Chet. Wow. I know. I mean, I because, Paulo again, was like, like, I'm very curious <laughs> of what the market is for someone like him. I think there's a ton of intrigue around, particularly Holmgren, Bancaro. I like. I mean, you guys know me. I'm a Duke fan, but uh, I think he might be a little soft. Um, I think he's definitely talented. I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I don't know if he's the right fit for the Kings, and you know, there's again, there's only really one or two guys that I really, really like. So uh, to see number th- these three, if they were to deviate in any, in any way, all of a sudden I get more aggressive on the trade front because I think at that point there are so many other teams that would look at some of those guys and maybe willing to maybe blow up their situation a little bit more, and I think you could be the benefactor of something really special. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we're going to have to let this play out a little bit more, like, all of these things move along pretty quickly, um, but you know the the draft in in a four or five week span, things can change dramatically. I mean, we got to get through the draft combine, which is happening right now, but we haven't seen the the numbers yet. We haven't seen actual height, weight, um, you know, vertical, all that stuff. That usually does change some of the calculus when it comes to players. Um, the interview process hasn't changed. And, and I'll even go, like, like I'll, to take Sean's side here on a totally bizarre... Um, I had a buddy who, who always, like, you can't be, like, a, a really good quarterback if you don't have a quarterback name. Like, and if you have, if you have a really bad name, um, you're probably not going to be very good. And he always First was making fun name. of me. Uh, well, it just depends. Like, like, Todd Van Poppel never had any chance nope. to be any no good chance. at all. Nope. He's a kicker. No, he, He's a no, kicker. He, well, yeah, I mean, but he was a he was a pitcher for the A's, a first round pick, and it was like, man, that guy's never going to be any good. You can't be good being named Todd Van Poppel. Um, so, so he's always like Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Joe like, Burrow. Yeah, That's a quarterback name. That's a yeah. hell of a quarterback name. Yeah, all of them. Like there's so many. And then uh, who's the old quarterback for the Bears? Where's John uh, Heuristic at? Uh, who's the the quarterback that they basically Jim just, McMahon, the cool one. No, no, Jim McMahon's a great quarterback name. No, no. I thought you said the old Jay boy, Cutler. Old... No, the one like three years ago, like two years ago. Who was their their starting quarterback? That... Land, uh, just Justin Fields. Jake Cutler. No, before no before Justin Fields. Um, the other guy they drafted in the first round. Anyway, my point is like you could tell right away. Oh, he's gonna be horrible. You know, even Jimmy Garoppolo is like eh, it's kind of a cool name, but really it's on the bubble of not being a good name. Where Trey Lance, you're like, oh, that's sick. You know, he's got a good he's got a good quarterback name. So I come back to oh, there we go. Mitch Trubisky. It Mitch Mitch Trubisky had no chance to be good at all. He I had no chance. The, I went with the men in black mind eraser on anything Mitch Trubisky. 
Yeah. Blake Bortles, same thing. Blake Bye. Bortles. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. The only reason Blake Bortles you're kind of okay with is because he was uh, he was on, well, like his, uh, what is the show with Veronica Mars? <laughs> what? <laughs> the the show with Ted Danson, um, where they're all dead. Um, oh, yeah, yeah no with Kristen Bell? Here. Yeah, Kristen Bell. Um, I don't remember. I don't watch it. Anyway, one of the the character, uh, it was the biggest uh, Jacksonville Jaguars fan ever, and talked about Blake Bortles all the time. It was his favorite player. Idiot. Yeah, the good place. Well, there we go. The, yes. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. The good place. Yeah, good work. Good work, people. I don't. You know, it's late. It is late. Um, yeah. So you can't have a like. I, I worry that Chet Holmgren is not a good name, and you're going to be like Paolo Banquero. Man, Palo Bancaro could be really good. I mean, right? Jaden Ivey, that's a star. Yeah, that's a star good, name. Good good work by Terrence, by the way, uh, pointing out Blaine Gabbert because what a terrible quarterback. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> have Blaine, I'd rather have Bortles over Blaine Gabbert. But you see what I mean? Like... Sorry. Sorry, that would it's this chat, man. I gotta look at this chat and it's just totally <laughs> distracting. Sean Cunningham is a good quarterback name. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm a, I was a third stringer. I was terrible. I threw three picks in a homecoming game. Look it up. <laughs> oh no! Really? And then I separated my shoulder trying to make a tackle on the second. I didn't. It wasn't a pick six, so I saved the pick six. But it was bad. Oh, wow. Doug, Douglas Tigers hustle baby. player. Sean was a quarterback. Uh, okay, <laughs> so uh, is there any of the other uh, teams around the Kings, um, even in the top ten, like? I think the Wizards all of a sudden, you know, the Wizards have a bunch of forwards that would all look good on the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, would you be willing to go down to number 10 for Kyle Kuzma? Five for 10, Kyle Kuzma. I'd, I'd be intrigued, very intrigued. Yeah. Especially, very tempting. Especially when you've got someone like Sabonis on your team. I think he instantly becomes better. Like, no matter what you think of Kyle Kuzma, I think you, think, I think you get a better, Kyle, better version of Kyle Kuzma when you're when you're hopefully playing up tempo and you have a piece like Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. Um what did you think of Sabonis uh, Sabonis's outfit tonight? I was great with it. Uh the vest looked a little weird, but just having no tie and just the unbuttoned shirt was kind of like he's here to party. Yeah. It was his style. Yeah, and clearly he's a good luck charm out there. I think he should wear it every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think it worked right um l- let's just play it again because it's such a short c- clip but since we're this far in and there's so many people still here Trailblazers. wow that means sacramento has moved up to the top four <laughs> pick number six goes to we don't even care we don't he, care I, who got him he almost looked like he had no idea what happened He's like, oh yeah, I'm not he's, on the Pacers he, anymore. He's looking at Dame, and Dame has this like, Dame has like this, why did I come here look? And then Sabonis is kind of like sharing that misery and go, oh wait, no, this is good. This is a good thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, like, look, I think this is like, it, it's a good night for the Sacramento Kings. Um, all right, so look, we we have 340 something people in uh, watching live right now. That's amazing. Um, so we're just gonna reset it. Hit the thumbs up button. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Uh, and while you're there, just go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you're already there, and that would be great. Um, we've got uh, – this isn't the only news of the day. Um, you know, again, oh, no. we're, we're, we're going to cover a couple more things on, on the actual draft itself, and uh, the business of basketball will will kind of round back up and 
maybe do some things on what we think that we would do if we're in this situation. But uh, first, we have to get to Tuesday overreactions. Uh, Our good friend Sean Cunningham right here uh, from Fox 40, of course, uh, broke the news today that... uh... (sighs) Sean... (laughs) It's not my fault. (sighs) Uh, We've got nepotism going on. Nepotism has ruled the day. Um, like you could have hit me with like a bunch of things that I would have thought, oh, that that's out of left field. I would have never ever guessed that uh, Anjali Ranadive would be elevated to the position position of assistant general manager of the Stockton Kings. Sean, what is happening? What is happening, Sean? <laughs> a lot. Like, there's a lot happening. Uh, I mean, I did like, uh, at first, some of the mentions for that report on social media uh, were funny. Some of them were very funny. Some of them were just absolutely disgustingly vile. Um, but, man, <clears throat> it's, like, you know how... And Jolly does have a good name. That's true. Anjali. 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 <laughs> good Angeli. manager name. Anjali. Let, let's, sure, let's make sure we get it right. Uh, I don't know where to begin. Like, I've already talked about this so much all day. And in truth, I'll just bring people behind the curtain a little bit. Um, that's awesome. That's an awesome comment. Uh, yeah, great name. I, I, I'm stammering here because I've known about this for almost a week. And I didn't believe it when I first heard about it. And you waited for and the lottery day? No. Well, there's a reason. I'll get to that. Ugh. You know, I, I like I like this podcast because I can stretch my legs and show the the thinking behind what we what I did. There's a lot of times where I don't break a story I know, and part of it is because um, I need. To, I like to explore the why. I want to get the context. I want to be able to um, talk to people about it. I don't like just the headline. And then when people ask me to talk about it, I go, shit, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they did this. I still don't necessarily know why they did this. Um, you know, I can think of reasons why they would. Let, let's just take it for what it is. I can think of reasons why they would. Because at the end of the day, you're talking about somebody cutting their teeth in the G league. And that's exactly what that minor league system is made for. However, as we know with this front office, we've got members of this front office and previous front offices in Sacramento and littered all throughout the NBA where people have really paid their dues. You know, they, they like, if you become an assistant GM of a G league team, like that's not nothing. Um, That's not the, it's a stepping stone. It's a big stepping stone. But it is still a very, very important role uh, and a stepping stone. It's not starting in player personnel. And I'll equate it this way. Nepotism's all over the place in business. Why should professional sports be any different? Why should the NBA be any different? Coaching is so weird this way because we talk about the Phil Jackson tree, the Greg Popovich tree, all these people that come from different things, right? Even in football, you got Bill Belichick's son on the coaching staff. You have, what is it, Deuce Gruden, John Gruden's son, uh, somehow 
with a role with the Raiders for these past however many years. Um, coaching, it makes sense because you can get on a staff and nobody really questions. You get in the film room, you get in whatever. It, it, you can find your way to a bench. You can go to high school, AAU, uh, college, community college, whatever it be, and you can find your way, even internationally, and you can find your way to the bench. You can come out of the broadcast booth um, you can be a former player, whatever. In the front office situation, there's really no blueprint for this. And I think what people really get lost in, and I'm a little, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, titles do matter, right? But let's play a game. Anjali Ranadive is the assistant GM of the Stockton Kings. That will be announced at some point by the organization. It hasn't been yet. It's on our Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah, she's there you go. Oh, official. I think at one point it said, GM, if I wasn't mistaken, somebody sent it to me on their Twitter bio that said actually Stockton Kings GM, and they're like, "Are we sure that this is an assistant?" I said, "No, I'm. That's all I've been told is the assistant." Um, but what if I told you she was? <laughs> I'm the thirty for thirty guy. What if I told you? Uh, what if I told you <laughs> that Anjali Ranadive was the director of basketball engagement, which is a role that Alvin Gentry just took, right? I've never heard of that title in my life, right? I've never and and for people who look at the title she just had, which I don't have in front of me, James, I'll have to look at my tweet because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, um, I did. I wrote it down. She was uh, something of social responsibility. Correct, and that that uh, I I'm with everyone. That title sounds like ridiculous, and don't know what necessarily that does. I can peel the curtain back a little bit. That's not the Kings. That's the NBA. Every team in the NBA has changed their community outreach to, what did you say again, James? Social responsibility. She (laughs) was uh, working in the social responsibility department. Right. So that's on a business side community. There's, you know, that sprays to a lot of fields within the business office. Um, These are things I needed context for over the course of the past few days. I knew it was going to be announced, but I figured... It wouldn't be announced until later this summer. That's typically how we see a lot of the things happen with G League. Um, even with Kings front offices and trainers and all that, you know, usually you don't see like a or an announcement come until later in the summer. So I figured I was playing with some time. And I wanted to have like in-person conversations about this because in fairness to her, I knew that one, this is a crazy situation and it's coming off of a coaching search where your owner, Vivek Ranadive, is constantly talking about metal, getting criticized and meddling his team. And I always point out it's not unique to Sacramento. I don't want to come off as a Vivek apologist, but I've seen the joke. I've seen the jokes today. Okay, we settled on Mike Brown. So if Mike Brown, then this, right? This had this had to be maybe part of that calculus to wean him off of Mark Jackson. And I don't think that's necessarily true either. But point is, you just she was there. She was there sitting courtside with him, you know, when the coaches were there and, you know, we haven't had the benefit of being uh, when she had Mark Jackson and, and Mike, Mike Brown. And, and, you know, she's had a voice. She's been, it's her father. She's definitely going to have a voice in this. Now she has an actual voice in the room and she does so with a very important position that does f- flow over into the Sacramento Kings organization as well. So it's a stepping stone. What does it look like beyond this? We don't know. But she brings no experience. I mean, just a few years ago, she was a budding pop star. Is that now on the back burner? Probably. Um, 
I don't criticize her for wanting to do this. In fact, I think it's actually kind of bold in a way because I think she and her father both know that she's going to be slung through the mud. It's not just fans. I mean, there's NBA people that are up in arms about this, literally thinking that the Kings have absolutely, as an organization, zero respect for people who've paid their dues in this industry. I was told as much that today. Um, but but again, I would point to several people in the league, uh, and I think I think Monty McNair is one of them, where you pay your years. dues. Right. He, he's paid his dues. I mean, this guy's been in all, every single kind of situation. He's got a background that, that screams you're, you're built for the front office. But as Vivek Ranadive, as I like to point out, he told you what he was when he took over this team. He is the irritant in the solution. And he's this 3.0 and all these things. And if he had to start her somewhere, um, this is a hell of a place to start her. Okay, so I'm going to – Brendan, you have something to add? That's a lot. I'm sorry, guys. That was a lot. But it, there's just so much to unpack there. Yeah, because I can race through my stuff. But, Brendan, go ahead. My quick two cents would just be is she taking up space so there's one less basketball mind um, – going towards the decisions there or is she more on the business side as it as it kind of sounds because if she's filling a position that instead would be filled by somebody that was more seasoned and experienced in in basketball in this specifically then that's where I'm a little bit more concerned but oh no these are these are sense. player these are player and team evaluations i mean these are development i mean this is this is everything she's i mean she's reporting to Paul Johnson the GM of the Stockton Kings and she will have a say in a lot of things. And it's it's interesting that we weren't in the pat this past week. We were not able to look at uh, a lot of these pre-draft workouts before the combine. And had we been able to be in there, we would have seen her ever present right there, working along the front office staff, uh, getting to pick through a lot of these draft prospects because a lot of these players could end up not being drafted, being part of summer league, and possibly on a G League roster. Okay, so a uh, couple of things. Number one, everyone loves my giant cup. It is a giant cup. That's um, a that is huge. It's a huge cup, but it carries like two cups of hot tea. So uh, my wife went to Cal, and uh, so this cup is actually really. Jason Jones applauds it. Yeah, Jason Jones loves the cup. So there you go, people. There's a giant cup. Um, it's also like a, so you married so I married an axe murderer uh, cup, which uh, put that on your list, Brendan. So I married an axe murderer. Uh, it is another film that you must watch. Mike Myers and Nancy list. Travis uh, yep. definitely need to see that movie. Yes, Mike Myers plays a couple of his own, a couple of roles. Yeah, um, and there's one-liners that I use all the time from that movie. Um, okay, so here's uh, I'm gonna. Just is it be, heed pants now? Yeah, or it's a, it's a orange <laughs> That's on what's a gotta be. Yeah, <laughs> if like you Sputnik. want my body and you think I'm sexy, uh, yeah. Um, so here's a okay. So I'm gonna handle this gently. I have been very clear here, again and again, and I've been very clear on the radio. I don't ever have any problem with Anil Ronadive being part of the Vex thought process and being part of like the think. So like he goes to his son and he has conversations all the time, and that so Anil used to be part of a bunch of like the committees and stuff. 
if on uh, Anjali took that role, Anjali. I would have Anjali. Anjali. What I'm gonna keep butchering it. It's okay. It's um, okay. Like I, I, I have seen her in a music video where she's got a monkey on her head, and there's doom buggies and elephants in the scene at the same time, which is totally bizarre. But the problem, I don't have a problem with like the lineage. Someone has to run this team when the has gone. So, and I don't care if it's one of his two sons or if it's his daughter. I don't care at all. I just don't understand giving her a role like this. If you want to get her into the basketball side, give her some made-up weird title that you you just, you know, like with what you did with with uh, Alvin Gentry. Like, it's it's okay to make up some, some title where she's going to be part of the basketball side, but she's going to be watching stuff, right? And she's going to be part of it, but... It the the GM the assistant GM of the G League, that might be one of the most difficult things that we've ever like. You don't just have to know the 450 people in the league. You have to know every two way player. Then you have to have a rolodex of people that you have scouted over years that may or may not be ready to come back into the league from overseas. That may you know they're. What about when there's COVID and they gut your roster and all of a sudden you got to get back up to 10 players and you got to find dudes who are playing at a YMCA in, in Waco, Texas? Like, there is so much to this job that you have to understand. And I guess it's possible that Paul Johnson is just like a savant and has all of this underhand and, and he's going to help train her and do all this stuff. I just don't get the why you skipped all of these steps and just gave her a position that is actually really high. And I had someone ask me within the walls, um, you know, how does Vivek kind of fix the, like the image, the image issue that clearly he has. And, and clearly he does know that he has, or at least the people around him know that he has. And I, I think it's really, really clear. You stop like this. This is the type of stuff that's like, uh, you know, like, how how upset would everyone have been if I would have been named the assistant GM to the Stockton Kings? It probably like, would have gone over better than this. At James. least I have I mean, 13 years of experience watching every single game and and watching prospects and studying the draft. I mean, there to me, that's the problem. It's If you want to bring it in the fold, bring her in the fold, but you gave her a gigantic title. And if whether it was money or whatever, I'm not sure why you did that. Can I can but, I paint another picture too? Like yeah. I feel this because I think again we talk about how titles matter. Sacramento Kings had two assistant GMs at one point. Like you could hire another assistant GM. Most most G League teams don't have two. You know, you usually have a, an, an, a, a GM and an assistant. Point I'm trying to make is even at AAA baseball. Okay, right here in Sacramento with Rivercats. Oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes your person who's heading up PR and these minor league staffs that are so truncated ends up being your assistant GM. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, it's a nice title. Um, and clearly titles matter when people are trying to get jobs. But I think there's a little bit of a saving grace there. To me, it's not so much of her being the assistant GM with the Stockton Kings. To me... What did that say? I think she's, oh, I think assistant, she's to, assistant to office, the, GM. the office. That's perfect. Yeah, it That's is perfect. perfect. It is. Um, Good work. I, to, to me, it's not the, 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 the shock of her being 
an assistant GM with Stockton Kings because honestly, good. You're, you're doing it through the G league. You know what I mean? Like she wants to get involved with that. If that's truly what she wants to do. Great. I, you know, support her, do what she, I hope I wish her well. I hope she's great. I hope she's phenomenal. Um, but you, you just set yourself up for such failure. And I feel like it's the, it's the what's next. Okay, great. She's, a, she's the assistant GM of the Stockton Kings. What's the end game? And again, like, it's one thing for the Warriors to do this. It's one thing for the Lakers to do this. It's one thing for any team that's had championships and success. When, when the Bus family can put people all throughout there, they're answering to Rob Polinka on the NBA level. It's one thing for them to do that because of the success, and it doesn't register a blip on the radar. But when you're the Sacramento Kings and you haven't sniffed the playoffs in 16 years and you're the worst team arguably in, the, in professional sports, it's nuclear. Because it's shit like this that gets absolutely just blown up, and it's at your own doing. Like, let's pretend. Like, I look. I wish her well. If she wants to do this, if you're Vivek, hey Vivek, why wouldn't you just? Why wouldn't you just wait till you make the playoffs or something? Sniff a little bit of success, give her a smaller role, whatever it is, and then and then do it. Because now you're just feeding the beast. It's almost like Vivek Ranadive is trolling all of us. I mean. I feel like he had to know that this was going to go over like a fart in church. I really do. However, I, I, however, I don't think he gives a damn. I mean, look at everything Vivek Ranadive has, has been said about him, his ownership style, all that stuff throughout this entire time he's been in Sacramento. You could argue that he's been through worse, but this one to me, even as a reporter, objectively is among the biggest head scratchers I've ever seen. Dude, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even respond with some of this stuff that was given to me. I, I wouldn't even use it. Like I'm not using that. I'm not putting that out there. What do you I, what sorry. do you what do you mean? Like like list of names of people who are out there doing this doing similar well, and that's the problem. Some of these they're not out there doing similar things. They're out there like sure, there are a bunch of kids of owners that work for organizations, sure. But you just skipped like a bunch of steps. I mean, she came back like she started working for the team like, like not even uh, maybe at the it beginning last of last year. season. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, at the be- but it was it was, in a it totally was last summer role. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was totally in a totally different role, and and that's fine. Like again, those roles are out there. There was some murmurs behind the scenes. Trust me, um, and there are going to be more murmurs. But um, like it's it's just avoidable. I mean, the only reason why this isn't the topic of the day throughout the league is because the NBA draft lottery just happened and the Kings moved up. Like they like, it's almost like they knew they were moving up. So, Hey, but then it's you, you broke the news. So, well, like, and can I, you hit him today. The reason it hit today, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't think I actually got to this point, but oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. The, the reason it happened today guys is because she showed up in Chicago at the combine I'm waking up to messages on my phone from player personnel, people, scouts from other teams, G League, all this stuff that that are seeing this. Like, oh my gosh, why is why is she here? And you know, people see that she's her new title, what what it is. And I'm like, well, this is going to get out, you know. And I thought even still earlier in the day, when I'm still trying in the process of gathering more information, I thought I was still going to get beat on it, but. It, you know, I didn't care if I got beat on it. I just wanted to be able to explain it because here in Sacramento, people still want to know why the hell this is happening. And yeah, um, 
it's it's the why more so than the what. Yeah. You're not short on fake titles either. They've been pretty kind with those recently. I mean, hey man, VP of basketball are, engagement, yeah. chief strategy officer. Stockton doesn't need a chief strategy officer. I think I it's know. strategy officer, just so you know. Oh, you're I right. I love whoever Excellent. did the assistant to the GM. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, that was M. And I think I accidentally put up a comment uh, that was not that appropriate right afterwards because I was trying to turn that comment off. Um, okay, so let's get back to uh, the business of basketball, which is uh, always the funnest uh, topic that we have here. Um, that was a lot of business, by the way. That was a lot of business of basketball, but it's also Tuesday over reactions. Because, I mean, I don't think, like, if any of you out there overreacted, well, you should have. Like, I, I mean, I just looked at it and shook my head and then sent a couple of texts and, like, um, Jesus. Like, Dude, I don't even think she would blame people for overreacting. I think she has to know that this is a, a bold, holy S type of move that probably wasn't going to, <laughs> wasn't probably going to go over very well. And I'm not sure. I'm not I sure. I don't know, man. I, I kind of wonder if I, you know, I kind of wonder about it. I, I really, you I know, guess what, we'll find and, out. And again, she's not the, uh, like, she was young when Vivek bought the team. And she's not old now, but I mean, he's been the owner for like nine seasons. So it's not like she's like a kid, you know, which is, is something that I, you know, should be mentioned. Um, it's not like he handed like the keys to the Stockton Kings over to like a 16 year old or something. And by um, the way, I, I don't have children, at least that I know of, and um, I would uh, – <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I would probably do something similar. I wouldn't make her the assistant GM, but if I knew that my daughter wanted to find a way in, I'd find a churched-up title and let her learn and, and cut her teeth and do what she wants to do. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like when you get in a position of power like Vivek Ranadive and the whole world, you know – you you have the whole world in your hands, you know, money and power and all that. Why not? You know, I, I, I guess, guess that's the, I, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's not like fans are going to take, think worse of you at this point. So, I mean, it's, it's on him to actually rebuild what he's going to do. Uh, and, and I've been clear too. If I own the Sacramento Kings, uh, my 19 year old would be part of, like what I was doing. He'd be with me every day learning. He wouldn't the be the ball boy, right? You wouldn't make him the ball boy. No, he'd be learning the process, but he'd have to put in his stripes and he'd be bringing me ideas and I'd be shooting him down and I wouldn't have him talking to a bunch of other people outside of me. Like it, it would be a tight circle where he was sort of my sounding board. Uh, but you know, I've been honest about that forever and we talk a lot about basketball and everything else, but I can also tell you that my son can not only name every single player in the NBA. Um, uh, he can also tell you, every single player in um, every league in soccer uh, all across Europe and everywhere. He can tell you by the their position and the flag that pops up, who the player is and, and everything else. I mean, like, but it's because he plays FIFA and does, you know, he plays other video games. But again, he's like a junkie with this stuff. And so, like, I would at least listen. Um, but... Again, I'm not going to own the Sacramento Kings anytime soon, and so I guess I don't have to worry about that. Uh, let's get back to the business of basketball. Um, and uh, we we do have this this incredible day that happens for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm really, really happy for Kings fans uh, 
because it's fun when you have these days. Uh, moving up to the number four pick is fun, and it adds more ammo. Uh, but we'll start with Brendan. Uh, Brendan, if you were, uh, if the draft were tomorrow, what would you do? Would you keep it? Would you trade it? Would you trade down? Would you trade up? Would you? Yeah. What would you do? If the draft is tomorrow. Go. I'm probably <laughs> trading it. I'm probably trading it. If any of Paulo, Chet, or Jabari are there, I'm quickly taking them. But if not, I'm I'm looking to trade it. And if there happens to be a no sort of deal that really does it for me, I'm taking Jaden Ivey. You're still trading it? I'm, <laughs> yeah. Fair just, enough. Just trade it. No, I, I think <laughs> that there is a real argument that Jaden Ivey is kind of too talented to pass on depending on what the deal is. Yeah, even if he is a point guard and people go, oh, here we go again. Another one, yeah. I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's kind of a two. He's, just a, he's a playmaker is what I He plays I like. off I mean, the ball he, a lot, yeah. too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but when he but gets you run into some of the same hiccups that you yeah. had with Fox and uh, Tyrese. Okay, Sean? Yeah, man, I, I think the trade is ex- exploring any and all trades at this point because uh, I don't think this is a team that needs to get younger. Um you know, this is a team to me where they've kind of set a course of action that they want to see be relevant right away. And I don't see how getting younger is going to do that for you. You're not, um, you're definitely not the Warriors who are, who have got these nice young talents just stashed, ready to go, but you're also competing. I feel like you're trying to make yourself compete right away. And to me, I feel this is the best, the best path possible for you to do that. And I love that they've moved up because, again, it makes it makes it a little more interesting. But uh, maybe now you trade down. Maybe now you package. Maybe I, I think you're you're looking at a lot of teams right now. And the 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 fun part about it is, I think Monty McNair knows what the temperature of the room was uh, just a few months back, and they're always constantly having conversations. So it's interesting to see how teams have shifted from, again, we talk about how fast the NBA world changes. Um, you know, you saw the Brooklyn and the Philadelphia stuff and that didn't go well for really either team. Um, and I think Sacramento dodged a huge bullet with, with the Ben Simmons stuff. So I think, uh, looking at what they were able to accomplish and seeing the way the, the landscape has changed a bit, knowing what's on kind of on deck here with free agency, uh, I think they've got a. I think they're in a really interesting situation. It's going to be a very interesting offseason, and it's definitely going to begin with this draft. Yeah, I think it is going to be interesting too. Um, and if I'm at number four, I'm going to wait until the last possible minute, and I'm going to see if one of those big guys fall. One of them falls, I'm going to take them. Uh, if not, I'm shopping this pick hard. I, I want to know exactly what like if I've got three or four options coming into draft night. Um, I've got them all laid out on the board. And I've got them stacked up like option one, option two, option three, option four. And, you know, if number one works out, I'm going there quick. Um, but I really do think that, you know, if we're – if the goal is to win this season, it's to make the playoffs this season, um, I think it's worth gold. The number four pick is worth gold on the open market. And you can go get a very, very good either all-star or like step below all-star level player – without having to give up multiple years, without having to give up the 2024, the 2026. I think you can really get a lot for this pick, even though 
Again, it's not the greatest draft, but it's also not a horrible draft, and high-level picks are always worth a ton. Is there names that come to mind in a potential trade? Like I, 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 I like the John Collins stuff, and I like somebody yeah. who brought up Pascal Siakam. I think that's – I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's clearly a name. The other one I kind of – you know, we kind of floated out there uh, earlier this year is wondering what, what happens with the Clippers. Uh, is Paul George possibly on the more move? Is there, is there something um, like that? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the Clippers are going to do with, with what Kawhi and Paul George, and maybe they run that back. Who knows? But those are some of those, uh, those people. And DB, I do see you. I cannot, uh, I've seen, I really appreciate a lot of those comments. I just actually can't remember how to feature any of those comments. So, you just hover over them and says, It show. might not work on our, on our end right now. Oh, oh yeah. okay. James holds the power. It's all, it's all good, DB. Yeah, yeah. So, so look, uh, you brought up uh, Siakam. I, I think that, that moving from seven to four means talking about Jeremy Grant versus talking about pa- Pascal Siakam. I mean, that that's what this did, that you go from talking about a good NBA player uh, a, a, another a Harrison Barnes level player and Jeremy Grant to the potential for Pascal Siakam or a potential for John Collins, you know, either an all-star near all-star level player. That's what the number four pick is worth. And to me, that's, that's tremendous. And that's why I think everyone should be excited. Yeah. We talked about Bradley Beal at one point. You remember that I thought that that was a pipe dream for Sacramento, oh, yeah. but I kind of think of that one. I, I kind of feel like, there's a pathway, not necessarily for the Kings, but with the Blazers. And I think it wasn't for nothing. Like anybody surprised to see Dame Lillard show up at the draft at the lottery here. I mean, yeah. that, that was a pretty big moment for that organization. I feel based off of all the uh, turmoil that's gone on. Uh, you didn't see their brand new GM uh, sitting there. You saw Dame Lillard who, you know, some people feel like he's trade bait or he's out. He's going to be gone. Yeah. Um, can you imagine? And again, I, maybe this adds just more of a, a Dame CJ component from what they that didn't work before, but Bradley Beal and Dame Lillard together could be kind of an interesting scenario in some fashion. I'd also say, just look how much better position the Kings are in than, than Portland. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I making agree. that jump, you know, like I just call you out Vince Vince, there is no way the Kings would trade the number four for the number seven and pick up Josh Hart. That's, I mean, the, the, this is worth way more than that. Like the NFL has a very strict like sort of calculator for trades as, as far as like draft picks and stuff. But the NBA, like just a move, didn't the, uh, the Mavs and the, and the Hawks, didn't the, uh, didn't Dallas give up their number one their their next year first round pick to move up to to take Luca, but to move from like uh, was it five to three? Yeah, yeah. So it ended up being was it DeAndre Hunter and or no, it was Cam Reddish and Trey Young for Luka Doncic in the end. Right. That Brennan nailed it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that pick ended up being like the tenth pick, right? It it ended up being that way but still that's that's what these things are worth that's what we're talking about the the number four pick it really is worth a tremendous amount on the open market it's weird that i agree with you with what you said about sacramento in relation to portland because at the end of the day they still have freaking dame lillard you know what i mean like 
to yeah. say that you're you're still there with thinking better about what the situation roster wise, cap wise, all that means for Sacramento, having all their picks, having the fourth pick, but yet they still have a superstar in Dame Lillard. Yeah. Kind of wild. It is wild. It's wild. All right. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Brennan, what you got? Yeah, did you finish any homework assignments, Brennan? We, I know we give you a lot. Not yet. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Oh, the those homework assignments. Uh, also, not yet. Still working on it. You haven't watched or something about Mary yet? I have not. I literally will turn it on right after this, actually, though. Oh. All right. He's so going for an all-nighter. Have you guys for next episode. No, I, I'm I, definitely going to fall asleep during it, but then I'll finish no, it tomorrow night. No, I don't think no, you will. No, before the end it. of the episode. Your belly will hurt. The dog will be sitting there looking <laughs> at you like, why are you laughing so hard? Anytime anybody says I'm going to start the movie, I'll probably fall asleep and I'll watch it. I'll pick never do that. Just don't do it. Just make sure you can sit through all the entire thing. It's not like some three hour epic, Brendan. Just sit down, watch it tomorrow. Don't do it tonight. Watch it tomorrow so you can howl. <laughs> yeah, it's a school night. That is true. Brendan, JVZ totally nailed it. It's yeah. a school yeah. night for Brendan. Okay, grounded. But, but you yeah. know what? He has, I'll ask the he has to TV. He might have to cram because, you know, the homework assignment is due. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, my, hey. last, my last little basketball thing, I'm not sure that if it was a top six or eight protected first next year and this year's that I wouldn't move to take Jabari or Chet. Oof. Mm. Can you say that one more time? I just want to make sure I understood what you just said. He would give up next year's pick. As well as long. I'm as not it was sure like that it's like a for sure no. I think it's something that I would consider next year's to move up good. to move up to yeah, get one to of move up to get Jabari or Chet. Mm. I mean, Sean, you like Jabari. What if it was? I, Jabari? I really like Jabari. I really do. He's the one I like the most with a bullet. I think he goes number one. Uh, as Migs just said, Chet does scare me. Like I have legit concerns about Chet Holmgren. I do, um, particularly with the Kings. By the way, because let's yeah. be honest, they don't really develop players very well and you know they i think they've done better job lately i think they have but will rico Hines still be around well we don't know these questions we don't have the answers to these questions yet so that's um, right yeah, yeah man i i i was curious about that because i know is this we continue to have these conversations about like whether they will move up or not whether whether they will if there's any guy you would move up for to move into the top three or possibly get creative I don't know that I don't know that I'm there with that. I really do like Jabari Smith though, and I think he's a guy. If you draft, you can contribute right away, and I think he'd be probably. I think he could easily take over Rookie of the Year. I don't think this draft. I know everyone's a product of their environment and situations, but I think this draft is not that deep, and possibly later on, I think guys can develop. But um, I, I don't think of right contributing players right away when I think of this draft. Interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think the age of COVID is is part of that. I think that there's a lot of uh, these guys just haven't played this sheer volume of games. I think that's the one thing about Chet that I'll point out. Um, like he has been a known player for so long. Uh, everyone knows that his skill set is much bigger than what we saw at, uh, at Gonzaga last year. So, yeah, definitely. Wait, 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 James, did we have a bet if the Kings jumped in the lottery? Oh, oh, I I wasn't in on this. Oh my God, we did. So my oh, money did safe. have a bet. What oh. happened? Oh shit, we did. You know what we have to do though. Here's how we'll handle this. We did. We had a bet if the Kings moved up, um, but I think it was like one or two. But still, we have to do it. Uh, we'll do a live show on draft night, right? And on draft night, we'll do a live show, 
and uh, I will shave my beard um, and wear a headband and look like Drew Timmy. I'll go full handlebar. Um, and yeah, I, Brendan, who, by the way, looks like Carmichael Dave, right? We, we, we all agree, right? Uh, uh, don't be, don't be mean. Not no, he dumb. knows it. Oh, Jesus Christ, he knows it. We talked about that. No, no, I, I meant to. Oh, Drew mean Timmy. to? That's true. To- <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I see you're working, my guy. I see you. But uh, Brendan has uh, a couple of weeks to grow out a mustache, and he's got to come as Doug. There's Doug no Edder. chance he can do Saint that. Peter's. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No, It'll he's be gonna all right. come. At, he's gonna be Doug from. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll go. I can get full, close to it. I'll go full handlebar and go Drew Timmy, and he'll be. Uh, if you care to join it all, Sean, you can let us know next I, episode. I can't grow facial hair very well. I don't know why that is. I think it's I. I am half Japanese. For people who don't know that, I don't look like it. I know, but um, from what I'm told, is a lot of Japanese people can't connect their goatees very well. So, oh. I, I'm kind of screwed, man. Mm. Yeah, I can I can grow one in two weeks fully. Yep, awesome. We're gonna All see right. how I hold up. <laughs> we'll see how you hold up, but we're gonna be ready for draft night. We'll do this again. Uh, thanks for everybody, uh, everyone for tuning in. If you're still on and you haven't already given us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs up. Uh, give us a subscription um, uh, to to the YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Also, jump on board with the King's Beat. We're growing so fast; it's been so much fun. Uh, we got a happy hour coming up. It's uh, not this coming Ooh. week, but the following week we'll do a happy hour. Oh wait, we gotta do it before Bottle Rock, though, right? When is Bottle Rock? Uh, Memorial Day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's in Napa. Come visit me. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll probably be on a boat out <laughs> on the lake, but um, I'll be catching up on movies. Yeah, he'll be catching up on movies. Um, but yeah, give us a, a rating, review, all that stuff. Um, we'll figure out when the happy hour is going to be exactly. I'm waiting for confirmation on the guest. I'm excited about the guest. Uh, I'm hoping that I will get that confirmation the next day or two. And we'll kind of, you know, lock that in. Um, but that, of course, is for premium subscribers to the King's Beat. So jump on board. Um, we're doing awesome things here, and we're having a good time doing it. So for uh, Fox 40's Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast and the King's Herald, I am James Ham, your King's Insider for ESPN 1320. I'll be on there all day tomorrow, so jump on and join mm-hmm. me and Kenny Carraway. Uh, we'll be all, I think I'm on for four hours straight. So we'll see you tomorrow.